Happy Sunday, guys, and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Dubs. I'm your host, Bill T. On today's podcast, I've got George T. sitting with me. We chop it up a little bit, talk about a bunch of various different topics, as well as we introduce a new sponsor to the podcast. Tired of the same old stuff for your VW? Check out Ross Wolf. They have a variety of accessories for your VW. Gas tank clamps, fender washer kits, IDA jet covers, distributor clamps, velocity stacks, and body to pan kits. All constructed of T6 6061 aluminum, anodized in a variety of colors. One of the coolest pieces that I personally like is their locking dipstick. Jason and Jared started this company to fill the void in the VW parts industry where customers receive the service they deserve. Where did the name Ross Wolf come from? Well, check out rosswolf.com to read about a man whose commitment to performance was only matched by his dedication to quality parts. To check out more, go to rosswolf.com and check back often for an always expanding catalog. That's rosswolf.com. R-O-S-S-W-U-L-F.com. Rosswolf.com. So support those that support Let's Talk Dubs podcast. All right, well, we're back. Uh, episode 72, George, welcome back on the podcast. Thanks for having me, Bill. So on today's podcast, we're going to talk about a couple different things. We wanted to discuss uh, some things that happened in VW history in May. So we're going to start. This podcast format is going to be a little bit different from the standpoint of we're going to have um, a little bit different format. We're going to a little more structured, a little less free-flowing, but we'll, a couple of s- sections that we're doing here. So uh, first thing we're going to do is... is touch base with a little bit of VW history and May 28th, which just passed was the founding of VW May, uh, May 28th, VW was founded as a company in 1937. So also in May, uh, on May 8th, it was May 8th, 1945. That's when the war ended and, uh, and VW got back to, uh, they started to rebuild the VW plan after it was taken out of commission. So, uh, a lot of significant things took place in the month of May for Volkswagen, which then brings us to, um, you know, as VW is an ever-changing company and still relevant to this present day, which uh, we're fortunate enough to see. Uh, there's there's always something happening at Volkswagen. And the news lately or the past little bit ago was they got in trouble for a commercial. George, do you know about this? I do. <laughs> So they came out, for, for those of you that might not be aware, VW came out with a new Golf and they had uh, a commercial that said the new Golf in German. And uh, the, in this video, which I'll attach a clip to at, in the Let's Talk Dubs uh, Facebook page, I'll attach a clip of the commercial, which they came out with. It was an Instagram spot, like a 15 second spot. And there's a, a yellow golf in front of a building and there's like giant hands that come into the screen and this guy's walking around to the front of the car and it picks the guy up and kind of puts him by the door. And then <clears throat> when it picks him up, puts him by the door, then the giant hand comes in and then flicks him into this little cafe. And then the letters, which are stacked top to bottom, the new golf, they're, uh, they're coming in in a sporadic form. And at one point, 
spells out what could be considered a racial slang. Russia spells the N word in German. Um, so now a bunch of our listeners are Googling this right now. So you'll be able to go to let's talk dubs.com to find a link to these, to this commercial and you guys give us your thoughts on it. But I mean, I think it's pretty indicative with the temperament of today's society of the, of this, this young, uh, maybe a younger generation, a younger consumer generation that's looking for a reason to be offended. You know, um, the, the, the issue is, <clears throat> the issue is the guys, the, the guys, African-American guy or not African-American. It's obviously a German commercial. So it's a black guy in the commercial and the giant hands that come in are white. And like, you're reading the description of this offense and then VW has to go in and apologize. And it's, there's all this subliminal undertone to it. Like the name yeah. of the coffee shop was, uh, petite, uh, Colleen or something. Colleen, which is like the small colony, and you know, um, there's an explanation on the New York Times or New York Post. They have an article on it, and that's where we kind of read up on it as well. And they yeah. actually give you an example of the video to watch. And but let Bill have a link to that on the website. But I mean, it's it, it's just kind of stupid, you know. I think the way people get so wound up about stuff because even the commercial, um, you know, the 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 one commercial like the the crazy scientist where he had the, um. What it's was definitely sucking. <laughs> yeah, it's de- that one, right? Yeah, that one was. I mean, they were funny, and and VW's always played in their advertising. There, there's always been, there's always been this heavy layer of satire in this advertising. Yeah. You know, there's always like self-deprecating remarks or little jokes about the car, whatever the case is. Um, I don't know. What are your thoughts on it, George? Um, I, uh, I watched it, and I didn't get that feeling from it when I was watching it. Um, I'm also not black, so I can't really put myself in, in someone's shoes who would look at it. The way the lettering came in was silly. Why not just have it read the first word, second word, third word? You know, it was kind of odd the way it showed up. And then, you know, it's N-E-E-G-E or G-R or something right. like that. So, I don't know. I, I cannot see where people took offense to it. You would actually literally have to read that into it yourself. It was odd. And obviously, VW pulled it, so they must have found it to be... Yeah, a lot of <clears throat> a lot of people, you know, went over it, got pretty wound up about it, and uh, I think, um, you know, part of the issue is, uh, you know, like I said, I think today people are looking for reasons to get offended, looking for reasons to be upset. It's too easy to eat. Yeah, it's too easy. Right, we don't have to leave the cave and uh, and and go kill anything. So it is an odd time to be, to be bringing this up right now, especially with the state of the country right now, with with things that are really. Um, they're really popping off in some areas of this country where rioting and, and issues like that are, are, are coming up. I think you mean protesting. Oh no, no, no. <laughs> oh, they're rioting. Oh, they're rioting. So they're looting silliness. I won't stand for this, but I will take a 56 inch TV. You know, we do have a right to assemble <laughs> and to protest, but once you take it from a protest to a riot and to a loot, it's a very different beast at that point. Yeah. It's a to, bit, it's to a peacefully protest is one thing to start destroying Public property, private property, whatever property they're destroying, that's that's uncalled for, in my opinion. Well, You're not making your point. If anything, it hurts your point. Yeah, it's. A, I mean, it's. A, listen, we're we're in a different time right now, and part of our deal is, um, our uh, our generation is. I think the generation which we grew up in, we were kind of that middle generation where we, we you know, our our parents were super old school. And then we were the generation that was involved in a lot of change 
and I, I really think, you know, the, the ramping up of a lot of the digital media and the, the lack of having to physically experience something yourself has given people this ownership of feelings and emotions that they, they may not connect with, but they just know that they need to stand for it because they, they stand, they, yeah, they, they stand for something else. But anyway, moving on from that, I think it's a, I think it's, it, I think it's interesting. We're bringing it up because it's VW related. And it's in the news. And that was the, uh, the deal that I was going to bring up there. So, um, onto that, George, we've got, uh, I've got a listener's email, <clears throat> Joe Clements. Joe Clements is from the UK. He says, Hey Bill, love the podcast. I have a 1967, 1500 beetle and your show gives me lots of ideas and tips. I have a quick question. I live in the UK about 20 minutes from where the Volksworld show is held. The U S VW shows look amazing. If I was to come over for some shows, one or two weeks, which ones would you recommend? I'd love to visit one of the DKP meets as cow look cars are some of my favorites. Thanks very much and keep up the good work. So that's from Joe Clemens from the UK. George, what? Uh, well, I mean, hopefully in October, Joe Clemens from the UK can come down to Las Vegas and maybe some of those DKP guys would be here. Yeah. On our show. Well, I, I would think with this, uh, you know, with, with, everything changing this this year in the show scene we're going to for sure we're going to touch on the fact that obviously a lot of shows have canceled so far yeah but i think our show able to go on i think our show is going to be huge just because of everything that's been canceled and delayed and will people be able to come to vegas and there's enough i mean imagine if you're going to a hotel in la to, for a car show and they're selling out every other room at the yeah. at the uh comfort inn or whatever the case is and so you can't get a gathering in the parking lot you can't get that stuff i mean it's become such a such a deal with um you know just the good times to be had not even just at the show but at the whole show experience the parking lot all those types of things that uh you know greg banfield started that page on facebook the classic yeah the crown plaza parking lot page and just you know pictures from the parking lot and stuff like that but i've said it in the past like the show that we're trying to put on at the orleans we want it to be the same kind of thing as that yeah to where it's it's a hang it's something right. that people enjoy for the weekend it's not just it's not just a sh- car show they're, they're gonna car shows no, happen it's, daily it, it's gonna be more we want experience. it to be more of an experience yeah for a major casino in las vegas to get behind a show and allow us to put one on there is huge and we hope hope that other people can take advantage of this out-of-staters and locals yeah, like. for sure. So now, well, what two shows? I know that we've got a couple shows coming up. Obviously, Prado, Blackstar, uh, Fontana, all those shows have canceled. Yeah, because Southern California, they're they've shut and it down for a long time. When you spoke to Steve so. from Wolfgang, I believe it was there was was it Wolfgang or Steve Hole that that they were talking about a show potentially coming up that that wasn't canceled as of yet. Um, he well, he was talking about the show, the Bugarama in September. Okay. And so that one is not. Yeah, or? the one Labor Day. Right now, they're tentatively they're tentatively hoping that that show still will go ahead. So yeah, <clears throat> that show could go forward. Um, but if you're going to come from out of state, if you're going to come, if you're going to come next year and next year's business as usual, they've they've diluted the classic weekend to, into where it's two weeks of coming down, yeah. and so it's. It, well, here's what's going to happen. Especially for someone coming overseas, it's not very conducive to that. That's, well, that kind of sucks. And here's what's going to happen. You're going to come down to California, and you're going to see a majority of the same cars at every event you go to because mm-hmm. 
the only time you'll see different cars is on the weekends when the guys from Arizona, Central California, Northern California, Vegas, all those guys come into town. And so, you know, you, you could do that. Um, I'd think that uh, our, our show is going to be pretty legit in respect to uh, a big hangout, but that'll be next year. But if you're coming this year, there are some shows on the East Coast that I haven't been to, and there's like uh, Bully Brigade, the No Do VW show, and um, well, you're not going to see many DKP cars there. Yeah, you're not going to see you're not going to see the DKP cars. If you're coming cars. next year, Joe, plan for the Black Star Prado and the week week before or after. Where, where, where the heck the other yeah, one lines on? That's that's the problem. Nobody yeah. knows. They're still they're still all swimming. And who knows? This could change the dynamics and trajectory of all the shows to come, just because. Absolutely. You know, everybody just, just got the wipe the slate clean and fresh start everywhere. Where's everything going to end up? Well, I think everybody got used to the shows being like, oh, no big deal. We'll just do a show the next week and the next weekend. Well, now with things like this being so touch and go, mm-hmm. they may consolidate some of the stuff so that you're not trying to spread things over a large amount of time where people are not going to, you're not going to have so much at, at risk, I think, because it, you know, when you're having things every other weekend in the month of, or every weekend in the month of May and June, um, you know, you might not be able to get to everything and, and realizing that it, that it actually truly dilutes the events where you have less of t- less turnout at each event. Um, I think they might, I, th- I think people might pay attention to that and it, and it could change a little bit, but we'll see. I mean, that's, we'll see what happens next year. I mean, um, but yeah, to answer your question, uh, Joe, I would say, uh, Vegas for sure, you know, I think without a doubt Vegas is going to be a huge heavy hit because you have all the stuff to do here in Vegas as well. So it's a huge U.S. destination. A destination location already. Yeah, as well as a VW event. And you we're could close come enough. here if there wasn't a VW show and have a good time. Yeah. <laughs> and then, listen, we I've always been known to, uh, you know, take people for a cruise down the Strip. Did that with... Lee not too long ago did it with uh, Alex from Germany. Some people just hit me up. They come to town from out of the country and then want a little cruise down the strip or something like that. So I've been known to accommodate something like that in the past. But as far as shows coming up, let's talk about a show coming up. There's there's one. Uh, the Utah Transport Association is going to have a, an event at Penguich. Mm-hmm. Camp out. Yeah, Penguich is in southern Utah. It's just, uh, just, just north of Cedar City. And... Uh, interestingly enough i was before this event was planned i was already going to be in that area that same weekend um with the exception of i'm on a, i'm on a big utv ride um and so i'll be there so i may be stopping by some of the campsites at night come by to see some people and just say hey to some people um unfortunately i'd already booked i'll be camping i, I already booked and, and set my stuff up so george will be there um uh, george will be there with uh you know, his crew and some people. So make sure you go by, say hey to George if you guys are there. Um, but that's going to be a camp out event and camp out events are camp out events are different than car shows in general. You Absolutely. Know? They're, uh, they're more community. I feel like I really get a strong feeling. No, when they're, we're, they when are. We're at black star. The it's also our, our, our club and our group, but even just the whole, the whole campsite. It's, it's fun. It's, it's very different than car show. It, it is different than a car show and it depends on your purpose. Like if you brought your car and you're going to hang for the week and all that stuff, it's fun. If you're just there for a day, it sucks. Yeah. Cause it's too much going on. You're not going to see maybe the things you want to see. It's not as organized as a show, you know, per se. So it really depends on what your, 
what your flavor is and what you like. But uh, that so that show's coming up. Um, and then for sure we're going to have the one event in uh, in October for us. So the weekend of the and, 15th and the 18th of October. We're not really promoting that right now. It's because we need it. We need contracts signed. And until they open back up, that's the only thing we're waiting on before we can actually like really pull the pin and get crazy promoted. Yeah. So if you guys are wondering where the updates are for that on letstalkdubs.com, they're not up yet just because we're fine. We're the waiting. Orleans is actually closed right now. Yeah. The hotels don't open until this next week coming up. Once the hotels open up, we can finally sit down. And confirm dates, meeting, get our insurances in order, and get once we once it's a verified date on a schedule, the updates will come pouring in. Yeah, and we'll get the outline for the show and all that good stuff. But it'll definitely be a, a show not to miss. Um, I've real... got an insider at Metro that's going to help us out with getting the strip escorted cruise to happen. So we got I, I, we have a couple irons in the fire. Like I said, we're just waiting for the absolute approval, and then we'll get these things rock and rolling. Where an itinerary will come out and. And you'll see the full schedule up on letstalkdubs.com. So let's move on now to uh, what what I wanted to do, George, is talk to you about some easy fixes. Like Joe says here in his email, he's heard a lot of uh, a lot of quick tips and ideas he can do to his car. So I asked George before the podcast, where I said, give me three easy fixes. Because, you know, George wrenches all down these things. Me, I'm merely just a weekend warrior when it comes to VW stuff. And that's if I can, if, if it's a VW weekend, a family weekend, or a, a, a an extracurricular activity weekend for me. And so um, George works on these things day in, day out. And so with George having his hands on these things all the time, I asked George to give me a list of three separate things that are easy fixes that he sees a lot of people overlook on their cars that are a little bit annoying. So George, uh, number one, <laughs> number one. And this is George can't wait to get in on this. Go ahead. This George. is my pet peeve. Tune your engine backfires, pops, sputters, all that stuff are not normal. A VW is known for its reliability and those items should not be irregular on your car. You, if you have an exhaust leak, get it fixed. If the carb isn't adjusted, right? Adjust the carburetor correctly. If the timing's out, set the timing. These simple things, and a motor should be running on four cylinders and be crisp and responsive. When I go to car shows, all I hear is when everybody's driving away. Everybody's got a clogged idle jet, a foul plug, a something. Tune your engine. Don't don't promote the stereotype of VWs being piles of junk. They're actually very reliable and excellently engineered vehicles. So if we treat the motor properly and it's tuned properly, it runs smooth, it runs great. So what do you think? Uh, I would think that the biggest challenge with people tuning their motors, like you're saying, to do is maybe the lack of knowledge. They think it's a little too complicated for them to tune their motor themselves. Um, so what our plan is is to get a couple of videos out there uh, with George tuning a motor. Uh, you know, we, we got a motor in Bill's shop that we'll probably bring in there and just put on the start stand. Um, it it'll, it will be dual carbed. But I'll also explain what you do in a single carb tuning situation, which is actually simpler. So, yeah, you know, uh, I think a, a real big miss. You know, one thing I watched when because I constantly hold the flashlight for my brother, George, or I stand there, hold the deck lid while he works on the car because uh, George has more patience. I'm more like the regular listener to this uh, podcast. I kind of take a, a side of a wrench and whack on the carb for a second, see if that fixes it. And then. uh and then I'll shove my hand on top of the velocity stack, see if I can clear it out that way. You know, some of your uh, technical taps, that's what I'm more into. But I've definitely watched George adjust the linkage and all that stuff. And it's its interesting how, how out of whack the linkage can get. 
if it's not set properly to begin with. Yeah. And then the and then the arms and bars and all that stuff are not tightened. Like there's stops. And if you don't set stops properly, every time you literally mash the throttle, when I say mash it, you're really nailing it. You tweak the linkage out just a little bit. And it doesn't seem like it's going to do much. Or you think it adjusts both the same way. But nope, it'll always throw one arm out. That's actually why I love Berg linkage. They have a designated stop on the linkage that stops the arm from going down, stops your throttle from pressing, the whole thing happens, and very rarely will it go out of whack. Hex bar linkages do not have that. You know, it's yeah, the hex maddening. bar linkages are uh, they're they're a bit they're a little a little bit loosey goosey. I've been thinking the the Berg is super super dialed. And I know when I when I was building my when I built my motor back in the day, the little nineteen oh four that I built. When I put that Berg linkage on there, it was like, it was one of those, that was one of those motors that 1904 was just like, you. I moved it from car to car because it was so dang powerful and reliable yeah. and consistent and, you know, it was just one of those deals. So I think once you get your motor set right and all your parts and pieces dialed in, then it'll uh, definitely, it'll definitely uh, so be a little more enjoyable to absolutely. drive. When it drives nice and it's, and it's nice and responsive when you get on the road and there's a little bit more power because it's tuned right it then you see what people love uws for so on to my second issue is clean glass in a car you know we get these cars and they've been sitting in in vegas one thing we get is milked over glass and it's because something sits out in a field or just outside and gets that aggressive sun exposure that we have here in the desert so a trick that i do that really restores a car's look is uh, a little bit of dishwashing soap, Dawn or whatever brand you prefer. I use Dawn at the shop and some double lot steel wool. And I go to town on the windows. I, I literally scrub the windows. Now, do not put Scotch Brite on a window. It will scratch it immediately. I'm talking uh, double lot steel wool. Guilty. Steel wool. <laughs> okay. And if you're really, if you're nervous, <laughs> if you got some early Sigla glass or anything like that, triple lot steel wool. You know, if you think you're going to scratch it, but obviously it's how aggressive you get with it. And what that's going to do is it now removes you, all on, of those. I, I got a couple of questions. Okay. Are you putting the dishwashing liquid right on the right on the? So deal? I'll put. I'll, I have a spray bottle mm-hmm. that has soap water in it. So I'll I'll hit it with with soap water. And if you want another trick for this, would be a spray bottle with some vinegar in it, just a little bit of distilled vinegar in it, water down. Obviously, don't put it full force on the car, and spray out the window. And I'd have the Dawn dishwashing soap applied directly to my steel wool. And I just rub in circular patterns and you'll feel it. There will be resistance, almost like when you're sanding a car. You feel resistance and then it just glides over the glass like butter. That's when you know you've removed all the impurities from the top layer of the glass. So then you move on. Like you literally feel it. It'll have resistance and then smooth and just keep moving that circle down the window. And the difference between a steel wool piece of glass and the milky stuff that we get out here in the desert is night and day. I actually get compliments on a lot of cars that I do man, how did you get the glass so clean? You know, and that's, that is one of our tricks is, is you take that stock glass and you really give it a good scrub down. And then my third, third item that is so easy to address and makes such a difference on a car. Now, one of the reasons why I know what a big difference this makes on a car is my bus. My bus is ratty and beat up and, and ugly looking, but I got a really nice set of wheels and tires on it. And what a difference it makes when I just wash my wheels and tires. When I polish the lip that needs to be polished i scrub down the center needs to be need to be scrubbed and i end it with a tire dressing there's nothing worse than a set of ashy tires under a good looking car oh (laughs) my brother has a hot vw spread before the bull run bus was the bull run bus there's a spread in hot vw's that rk shot and shout out to rk on that 
but the tires were not dressed in it, and it drives me batty every time I see it. Yeah, it was pretty dry. A Li- little bit of armor all goes a long tires way. tires over there. So, those uh, are my three items. They're all very basic, very simple things. The tune is going to be the di- most difficult one out of it, but if you have an idiot book or even just an, uh, an original manual, you get all the specifications of where you need to put all your items to to tune it properly. And when me and Bill put the video together, I'll have different parameters for, say, different uh, distributors and whatnot and how you would set them if, if we need to get into that detail. Or I could oh, you could always instant message me or something like that. Yeah, and so um, the next thing I wanted to talk about was stereo systems. So I'm a big stereo guy. Well, mm-hmm. before we jump into stereo systems, I did want to throw out something that I learned from old Georgie over here. Was George a real stickler on when he builds the door back, the doors back to put the uh, put the plastic in, and now tying that back into when I used to do stereos. When I did stereos, I was the guy that took my razor knife and I just cut the plastic sheeting that was between the door panel and the uh, and the steel. Um, I would cut the crap out of that, getting it off the car, just so I could put my new stereo, put the speakers in for people or whatever the case is. And uh, I used to watch George and he'd get really irritated that he, you know, if you send a car out for upholstery, you get it back and spend all this money for upholstery and you get it back. And there's no vapor barrier between the door panel and the back of the door, you know, and you know, I, I never paid too much attention to it until on, on my other car, my Corvair, I was, I, I worked on it and I kind of got my door panels and stuff and threw them on. As a matter of fact, I took it to a, a, an upholstery guy to have him put them on, have him just finish the whole interior for me. And he didn't put any vapor barrier on the door. And then I was changing, I was doing something with the window cranks or window rubber or something like that. So I pulled the door panel off and obviously I was just got this car together. So I was cruising around and whatnot, taking the car wash. And you washed weekend. it. Yeah, and then I pulled the door panel off, and I saw the back side of the door panel. It's water damage. Brand new, brand new door panel. It's already water damage on the back, and so yeah. that day I went to Home Depot and I bought some Visqueen and I cut some sheets and put them in the door panel, and now, um, now you can wash your door like the car was intended, yeah, and not ruin the door panel. But it, it's funny how some things that we do, we pay no attention to the purpose of those things and the negative, imp- the long term negative impact that they have mm-hmm. on the. Uh, you know, the, the longevity of the parts and pieces of your car. So I just wanted to bring that one up. So the vapor barrier between the door panel and the body glass. So let's get on stereo equipment. So what I do for my car, so I'm, I started a couple of years ago. Uh, I got a couple of different cars. So I did a couple of different things. I used to be big into just doing a head unit, a nice single amp system, and then some coaxes in the back, separates in the front, and then a couple subs. And Back in the day, I had some legendary 8-inch, 2-8-inch JL Audio subs in the back of my bug. Uh, this was, I mean, this is early 90s when I had the JL. Like, JLs were super rare. You didn't see them anywhere. And they used to beat pretty hard. And uh, But I've always been a big fan of single-amp systems because of the space they save. And now, as technology has evolved even further, um, I've actually tried to get I'm starting to get away from head units but I still wanted the flexibility of of, of a head unit control mm-hmm. um, so which is why on the bull run bus I did and they're out of Europe it was a company called iPlay and that one still works great um, it was a company called iPlay and they made a Bluetooth hands-free device that would adapt to an older car what I did was I modified it added some RCAs to it and used just the Bluetooth aspect of it. And I've got a small digital display that's about the size of 
It's about one inch tall and two and two and a half inches wide. It's a little digital display that shows me what song, what track, and what level the volume's at. And then there's a there's an actual hard volume knob that's attached to uh, the the end of the unit as well. It was called I think it's called iPlay Two is the unit, and that's where I've gone lately. And now JL Audio came out with a piece. It doesn't have a display on it, um, but it's got uh, it's a Bluetooth apparatus uh, that goes on and uh, hold on, I'm looking it up here. So it, go, it, it attaches to the, um, it attaches to, it's like surface mounts on the dash or whatever. There's no digital display. Now they make a small one now. It's about 600 bucks. It's the MM100 SBE. That one's a pretty serious unit, but it's got a big full display. A lot of guys use it in their side-by-sides and whatnot. Um, the one that I use is a little bit different. That one's on under their Marine page. But uh, the one um, the one that I used is smaller, more compact, inexpensive, and it's easy to you know, just mount, and you can do it under the dash or... Uh, or to the side. I'm on their website. I don't know if they still make it, but uh, yeah, it was. I'll get you the name of the piece here in a ses- in, in a second. But I'm, I really like, um, I really like to get into those, um, you know, those control units that, that keep the vehicle down. And I've tried to do the people that make those, um, you know, the retro sound and all those radios and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Those my only problem with those is those don't. They're look, super complicated. Man, you need a you seriously need a chart to navigate the thing, and that's why I'm not a fan of it. That's why, it, to me, the future is a Bluetooth Bluetooth interface directly with your phone, or even a, a you know a FireWire or a quarter jack, whatever that goes to your phone. To me, is the is the future. Head yeah. units. Who the heck listens to terrestrial radio anymore? Realistically, you know, who's going to pop in a CD when you can? If you have iTunes on your phone, you pay the nine ninety nine. Type in a band. They, they're available on there. You don't need to carry anything with you except your phone. Right. And you also don't risk losing that book of 176 CDs that someone can just type. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That happened that, to me in the past, and that so, sucks. So now, it, now, JL Audio makes the uh, makes a weatherproof Bluetooth receiver that's just a flat-out Bluetooth receiver. Um, the piece, and that's like 40 bucks on their website. My piece that I see, uh, the, the, the piece that I use is the MBTCRX V2, which is a weatherproof Bluetooth controller. It's probably about two and a half inches in diameter. And it just has a power button, volume up, volume down, forward track, back, and then uh, pause and play. And the reason that I use that one, the reason I like that one, that's when I had my oval window. Um, I just liked it because you just hit the button. With, with the other units I did, so there were two that I did. One, I, the, the other one that I did in my carbon cab, so in the bull run bus I had um, the play, I play two. It's called Bluetooth. Uh, the carbon cab have the Parrot. Bluetooth adapter. The carbon cab has a Parrot. I've had some issues with the Parrot. Yeah. Where the the controller was, uh, the volume knob forward and back and pause was separate from the display. The issue is it's it's stopped connecting. So I don't know what the issue is with it anymore. And um, I ended up getting that iPlay too, which I liked a whole heck of a lot better because it had a whole whole gang of accessories on it to where I could connect in. But for me, I've, I've gone through this evolution of like, you know, head units, 
with CD players and displays, and now I'm I'm trying to get lower than that. There's a guy on YouTube I just recently saw, and I'll get his info and throw it up on uh, Let's Talk Dubs. But he's actually taking the stock radio, and he adds a Bluetooth receiver. I saw that Troy the, Story had one. Yeah, yeah, in the stock radio, and that's cool if you're not a system guy and you just want some sounds and something different. Um, my only issue is I'm just I'm just a I'm an audio guy. Like I like audio systems. The agreed. I like a good sounding stereo system in the car. The majority of our builds I do have stereo in them. And so I'll give the breakdown of what's in what's in my car. So my in the Bullrun bus I had that one. I had a partial sponsorship with Audio Bond when I first did it. So I had two six hundred pound subwoofers. <laughs> I don't. I mean the box literally weighs a hundred hundred pounds. Um, they're two chrome flamed things, and I had these flamed chrome amplifiers in the back. Yuck. And then, uh, well, and shout out to Dubfab. Dubfab used to work for Audio Bond. So, uh, old Michael out there, let him know. I'll give him a shout out to old Michael. And um, so I had an Audio Bond system in the Bull Run bus. I still have all the Audio Bond separates and coaxials. And uh, I was running an Alpine head unit in that bus before I changed it. And then uh, I ended up getting rid of all the Audubon amps because I used to have a nice big amp rack in the back when that was like the thing to do in the in the luggage area. Just put a huge amp rack. And then I ended up pulling that out and then just put a single Alpine V12 amp in the back. And it was running, the, the whole system in there was running off a single five-channel five amplifier. So Speaking um, of five-channel amplifiers, I'm going to give a shout-out to JLL Audio because I've used their five channels on every one. I believe it's a XD750. If you could look at it up real quick, it's a five channel amp, 750 watts for the entire system. It dedicates 300 direct to your uh, subwoofer. And I believe the other 450 gets split up between the four separates. What is it, 800 watt? 700 watt. Let's see. Uh, yeah, so this is a five champ. Uh, five channel D class amplifier, but so this is a little bit newer design. This must evolved. be their new series, yeah. yeah. So this one, their new one, I would, I guess, would be the VX seven hundred five I. I actually like to get someone on from uh, one of these audio companies um, and just talk about the evolution of technology as to why the amplifiers. Have Do you remember what a seven hundred watt amp would look like oh, in yeah. the past? Oh yeah, smaller. It, it would be as, as as big as the back seat, dang near. Well, smaller, on there. smaller, more compact, and producing literally more power out of these same out of these smaller chassis um, of these amplifiers. And now, especially with the whole side by side market, now mm-hmm. they're getting even you can't smaller. Have big items. It's got to well, get smaller yeah, and smaller. Yeah, because they, they, they all run off a of stator. You know yeah. what I mean? So it's like. They're getting smaller technology and still being able to put out all kinds of volt, uh, all kinds of wattage. So, um, but uh, and then the, in the carbon cab because I was doing the whole carbon fiber theme, I did Polk Audio separates that have a carbon fiber. Uh, they have a carbon fiber cone on them. The Momo series is what I have in the carbon cab. So I've got separates up front, and I've got two coaxes in the rear, and then I have two extant tens under the rear seat and. Uh, the Momo carbon fiber Polk audio amplifier. So Polk audio is my speakers. And then the head unit that I run on that is the, uh, I'm actually pulling the parrot out and I'm, and I'm putting the, uh, jail, the jail piece in there just because the parrot just stopped. It just stopped working altogether. So that's the high end equipment stuff that I like to use in my car. And I know there's higher end out there. I know there's all these crazy audio files are going to come up with their companies, but I've always found jail to be an excellent quality subwoofer. 
they're separate, sound amazing, and their amps are of high quality. And usually I run an Alpine. If if the customer wants a head unit, I'll always go Alpine. I'm just yeah. an Alpine guy. Yeah, Alpine's uh, Alpine's always been a favorite for me since I was just a youngster. But um, so stereos, what do you what do you run in your uh, in the old bus? You got anything in I your bus? Nothing. I got earbuds in the bus. You got earbuds in the bus. Earbuds is what I rock. And actually, you know what? There's a lot of road noise when you're on the road, especially with the tubs. It's just a single piece of steel, and I got a seven-inch wide tire in the front with a lot of road noise. Even if I had a stereo system there, I'm sure I'd be hard-pressed to hear it. <laughs> and yours is yours is still uh, still working the uh, you're still work in progress on yours. Yeah, but like on let's say the last last build I finished was the uh, the Schmidt convertible. I did a nice JL stereo system in that. We had the uh, I believe the 300 series separates and in. For all four speakers, I had the XD amp, 750 watt, and Alpine head unit, and all Monster Cable RCAs, Monster Cable um, wiring for the speakers, mm-hmm. all two gauge power leads, two gauge grounds, everything like that. Every, everything that was required of it. Actually, they asked for a four gauge, but I went with two gauge on those just to make sure. So uh, I think I laid a, a, a laid a helping hand on that car as well. Did some wiring on that thing. Yeah, wired up the amp board. Maybe. But uh, so we also so another thing that we're doing on this podcast is uh, I wanted to put out there some of the stuff we're looking at on Instagram, some of the pages you guys want might want to check out, and uh, there's there's an Instagram page uh, Instagram page called Custom underscore Cream, and that's. Uh, uh, Lyndon Creamer, and he's a, a a DBK member in the UK, and um, he's got uh, this dude does some phenomenal. His car is Fubar sixty four. Yeah, and it's been built for I'm assuming a few years now, but just recently, last month or so, he's been posting up a lot of really cool detailed items, like showing you how how to how I did this and how I did that, and showing you the condition that car was in. Because if you if you've seen the car completed, it's you know, it's of the level of, let's say, a Type 1 restoration or a compound built. You know, it's right up there with those guys, if not higher. I mean, wait till you see it. You'll know what I'm talking about when I say higher. The guy goes nuts on every detail of the car in such an amazing way. It's inspiring. Like, he's one of those inspiring threads to follow. So, if you need to light a fire under your butt to get stuff going on your car, check his build out. Check out check out his Instagram feed. Great. Yeah, and, uh, and his Instagram is uh, Custom Cream. Um, custom underscore cream. Yeah. And he's, he's got some pretty phenomenal stuff. So he's one of those guys just doing next level build stuff over the top, well, over the, over the top. <laughs> and of course, it's awesome. It's inspiring. Uh, you know, the compound built stuff. I'm sure all you guys are on compound built. He's got quite a few followers on there. They're, they actually got in this, in the June issue of hoppy W's, there are quicksand convertibles and they're beautiful. Yeah. Um, so, Compound, compound built monthly is what the magazine needs to be changed to. Yeah, right. And uh, <laughs> Bob and uh, Bob and Pip and those guys and out Mike there, and Mike the Hammer always uh, knocking stuff out. And then you know, there's been a lot of action recently on Buddy's uh, Buddy's page. Type one restoration. I think it's three forty seven or something like that. It says it on the front of it, Van Seal. But it's VW Hoarders Hebmuller that they are literally taking pieces of a car. And yeah. willing this thing into fruition. It's awesome. It's an awesome follow. If you guys haven't been checking it out, type one restorations on Instagram. It's it's phenomenal. Some excellent work. Yeah, they're doing a lot of a lot of metal work on there. Um 
And it's funny because I had somebody, somebody made some, some comment to the point that were like, like they don't know how to do metal work over there. They're just mud guys and stuff like that. Um, I thought it was, I thought it was pretty interesting. Um, but, uh, yeah, he does quite a bit of, you know, quite a bit of metal work over there. I mean, fabs up all kinds of pieces and parts and tons and tons of custom stuff. So yeah. Anybody who would call those guys hacks by any means saying that they're filler guys, they, they don't know what they're talking about. That place, they do metal work. They metal work things. They metal finish things. Yeah. They do very nice work. So another, uh, another guy that we met at the SEMA shows from Florida, uh, Jason Stratton, who's got Stratton Motorsports, he's in Winter Park, Florida. So he's got some pretty cool stuff that he's been he's been working on. He's a paint shop, and they do some pretty they do some pretty nice paint jobs over there. So they really got, high level work. I yeah. mean, he was he was in the SATA booth. That should give you an idea of of, of you know, SATA is a German spray company, and their their vehicle in their booth was the uh, high panel that that this gentleman built. It was beautiful. Yeah. No, he's got. Uh, he does some. He does some nice, nice work. Who else? Very clean work. Very nice door gaps. You know, he pays attention to that kind of stuff. And who else are you out there following, George? Uh, Ren Metalworks. That's another. I mean, that dude is a metal ninja. I'm, I'm sure I've given him a shout out on this podcast before, but he's a very good follow. He's doing a 15 window right now, a Porsche, a low light Gia. He's got about five projects going, and, and you get a good variety each week. He'll he'll do a little bit of work each week on each car. And, I mean, unbelievable. His his collection of tools. I'm jealous of the guy. <laughs> he's got amazing rotisserie. I mean, he's, he's got some very nice equipment there. And I've never seen a cleaner shop. I swear to goodness, it looks like even while they're working, you can eat off the floor. <laughs> yeah, there's uh, there's something to be said about guys that run a clean shop. You know, yeah, it's nice I to wish. see. I wish. It's nice seeing an organized shop. You know what I mean? Where, where, there's, where there's, you know, you can go in and it looks super clean. Everything looks really organized, but it takes, I mean, it takes time to do that and you yeah. got to work at a specific pace. I mean, shoot, it'll take you a half hour just to, just to break down when you're all done. Heck, I usually spend the first half hour of my day just straightening up and getting things ordi- organized. Yeah. Get prepared for the day, line things up and know what I'm going to do that day, you know? No, absolutely. Um, What else you got, George? Would have been working on that's new and exciting at the shop. Anything? How's my quicksand bust is all polished, which is awesome. So it means all my paint work is done there, and we're actually starting on assembly. I just received a big order from Bully Driver, and a big order from uh, Wolfsburg West, and I got a lot of assembly ahead of me. But I'm so excited! Like every item I put on it just gets you more inspired. And what's you know? what's that? What's that bus sitting on as far as suspension wise? So right now I got a uh, four inch narrowed, uh, four inch drop. Wagons West beam in the front mm-hmm. with the uh, Wagons West brakes, Willwood brakes. On the rear, we got Wagons West drop plates, offset drop plates um, with a uh, Artigas built transaxle. Uh, is that bus going to go? Is that bus IRS? Nope. It's it's swing axle. It's swing axle. I'll probably end up converting my bus to IRS and then I'll see how it goes from there before I start doing it to other customers' cars. Yeah. But I think, uh, you know, with the way I drive my car fast on the freeway, the swing axles, that's a lot to ask of those um, of those side gears when you have camber in the rear, you know, when you're lowered. So I think IRS just just flow better, work better, be a better product. Well, I think you might eliminate a little bit of bump steer if you go IRS in the back as well. Definitely keeping everything straight and square in the back will definitely help. Yeah. And how's the big 21 window project coming, the one that they're taking down to the bare core? So we buttoned up all the metal work in the rear. 
as far as all the structural uh, inner. And now all we have left for the exterior of the bus is to put the driver's side rear corner and the long panel on. Now, one reason that we're holding off on putting that in right now, unfortunately, is I'm waiting on a bulkhead, which BBT this week on Instagram just released that they have the molds all made. They've done their first few pressings. They're going to figure out their issues they need to correct. So that'll be available hopefully within the next two two months, I'm assuming. So unfortunately, that's going to put a little bit of a stop on that car because it is so bad. I do need to change it. I don't want to change it with the donor one and have the same repairs I'd have to do on theirs on that one. I'd rather put a nice fresh piece of metal in there. And knowing that it's coming from BBT and the, and the guys that are going to be doing you know, the, the, the full body builds up there, I'm pretty sure they're going to get it to specs very close to where it should hopefully be a, a direct drop-in piece. And that's the Sunrise one. You know, it's, it's, it's not the, it, this is the later one from 60, later 64 to 67 bus bulkhead. Yeah, that thing's that bus is gone. Like that, that 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 bus scared me off a long time ago. That thing needs so much. It what I, I actually had to send an email to the to the customer just explaining like this is the deepest we have ever gone into a bus. And I mean, we've gone deep on buses. I we we fixed some really bad ones, but this one this is like England style. Like yeah, they don't, this you're on one an just, island. And and the, the the horrible thing about it, it was actually impact damage, not rust, that we've had to repair more than than rust and obviously it did have rust as well but impact damage is that it's that's horrible you you need to replace at that point whatever you can't straighten so as that, that's been a very taxing job labor wise yeah it's uh it's one of those things where you, you don't know when you're gonna get to the end of it because it just seems like once you open up this it's another can of worms another can of worms but you we're, guys we're are, to the point now where we've together opened together all now. boxes <laughs> We've opened up Pandora's box. We know what we're looking at there. And we're actually, I, it sounds funny to say, but we're on the finishing line with the metalwork I explained it needs to go in. It, 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 now we know all the parts that need to be replaced. There's going to be no more surprises because if it needs to be replaced, it's been replaced or it's sitting on the side waiting to go in at this point. And once again, there's an order the way things are built. So it's not like I could just, you know, throw all the metal in and then, then we're going to throw that bulk in, in later. It, it, it's the way it's all layered together. You have to put certain items in at certain times. So, but I'm just happy that people like BBT and, and all these other metal companies, uh, you know, classic fab Gerson, uh, autocraft Wolfsburg West. I'm, I'm just stoked. All these people are actually putting the time and energy into, into making good metal that we have a source for this stuff. Yeah. There was a post that, uh, Jared with Ross Wolf put up on, uh, on Instagram where he showed, you know, he's been working on some double cab forever mm -hmm. and he ordered one corner from one company that, you know, made corners. And then he ordered another one from Gerson and then he's showing the difference between the two corners. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And I guess Easily. pretty distinct difference between the two corners of, uh, of the metal work. So, you know, and, and, and mind you, we get all this metal and it's nice but there is rarely a piece that does not need some sort of mod, some sort of cut, some some reweld, some reshape somewhere to make it line up in the car. Very, very few pieces have gone in without any any fudging or, or playing with it in some way, shape, or form, which yep. is to be expected. And, you know, I've heard that across the board from everybody. I've reached out to a couple guys when we we're having a lot of problems like, hey, has this been a problem with you? And they say, absolutely. You, you got you to address certain areas of it. So... At first, I thought it was us. Like, are we doing something wrong? Because we put it on a frame jig and we square the whole bus out. We pull it where it needs to be pulled. We do what we got to do to get everything square and true. And when things don't fit in there, you're thinking something can't be right. And then you look like, oh, this piece isn't right. You know, this piece needs the adjustment. 
Yeah, there's uh it's pretty typical. This is kind of like, you know, what what the guys at Ross Wolf were talking about, you know. Everything requires a little bit of a little bit of work when you get it, whether it be a mechanical part, uh, a restoration part, almost everything needs a little bit of fiddling with. Yeah, th- I mean these things have been torn apart and bashing and stuff throughout their life for so long that uh, you know, it's I think even, you know, one of the big mistakes people make all the time is they just grab, people just grab a fender. They've got a 66, they get a 64 fender and mm-hmm. all that stuff. And no one ever thought that they, everybody just These assumed. Little differences everywhere. Everyone just assumed that. So yeah. when you look at half the bugs that you look at, you've even seen finished cars where you look at them and the two fenders in the front are different because yeah. no one paid attention to them being the same different front lengths. fenders. Yeah, I've experienced that before. I lowered someone's car and I'd go on one side and almost have no wheel gap the fender literally right around top of the tire and go to the other side i got a half inch of wheel gap like what is that and i would literally get a piece of string and go from the quarter panel down the fender and the fender itself would be smaller like it's it's a fender where'd they get that fender from that it didn't fit obviously something was aftermarket repaired in the past somewhere you know yeah so many people made aftermarket parts for them that you know there was four or five companies oh, making the 80s and back 90s in the days. was horrible yeah, metal. Like we, we get some of these we get some of these panels that come in that people have put in place and they're wretched, just absolutely wretched. We used metal. to get the same black panels that they used to carry at Nevada Off Road. We used to go to yeah. John over there at uh, Southwest Auto Reckon and get, he had like the new fenders up in the back. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember I bought a few fenders from him and they were, they were Hot garbage. Yeah. They, I mean, listen, they were what was available and I think they were being stamped out of Brazil and, uh, you know, all that stuff back in the day. So, um, you know, there's been so much variety out there that so much crap got thrown on cars. That's what. That's why I think when you find a nice original car, like when we found the '67, you find a nice car like that. It's you know, it's nice to get it to keep it as as original. But I mean, there's a huge difference if you feel a German Fender and an aftermarket oh, yeah. Fender. It's crazy the difference in the in the heaviness of the steel. So I I I just picked up a '55 threefold rag. I sold my wife 66 Kia. Bragger. I sold my wife 66 Kia to pick up this 55 threefold rag. And it's a it was one of my customers' cars. So I did all the work on it. I know the whole history of the car and whatnot. But the car's been in an accident and it needs some metal work in some areas. But it's got the original fenders on both ends. All the fenders are actually the original fenders. Just they need a little bit of work now. But you do see a difference between an original fender and an aftermarket fender and the thickness, the feel of it, everything. It's pretty crazy. You get them after aftermarket fenders and as soon as you pick it up, you know, like, oh, that's not original. This thing's light. This thing's real light. Yeah. Well, tell us about your, tell us about the 55, bro. I mean, you can't just roll so, like, I got a new 55 and fenders, fenders, fenders. Like, talk to us about the 55. So it was actually really cool. I got a call from a customer and uh, he actually texted me and said, hey, I think I'm going to be selling my, my bug. Uh, I did all the work to it. I did an Ocrasa Wolfsburg West kit in 2010 on the car. Uh, I had a new Artigas transaxle split case put in it, and I rebuilt the front end on the car. And completely forgot at the time, but when I, when I went over to work at Beetle Barn for a little bit, I had actually put drop spindles and lowered it. So this thing has all brand new suspension underneath the back of it or underneath the whole car. Well, my customer calls me, says he's actually interested in selling it. And in my mind, I'm remem- remembering a 56 oval. I'm like, yeah, not a problem. I said, I'll come by and check it out. And when I walk in the garage, I saw the rib doors and I saw the square front and back on the rag top. And I right there, I was like, oh, this is a 55. And then when he told me what he wanted for it, 
which was an extremely reasonable price. Mm -hmm. I told him, I said, I actually want it for myself. Are you okay with that? And he said, yeah, absolutely. I'd love to see it go to you. I know it's going to get done right. So I said, you got to give me a few weeks if you're okay with that. And he was like, I am not in a hurry to sell it. I just haven't used the car in four years. So he gave me an unbelievable price. So I passed that savings on to the person I sold the Gia to and sold to them at a discounted rate just to get the, the You gave the Gia away. I did. I you did. gave the Gia away, bro. It's okay. But, you know, in all reality, I got the 55 at a much lower than market value price as well. So I think it all worked out and it was all fair. So, you know, at first it was really bothering me that I'm letting my Gia go for this cheap discounted rate. But then I had to say like, hey, my customer's not getting... 100% full value for their car. It's what he wants for it, but it's like realistically, if he would have put it on the Samba, he could ask a lot more for it. Yeah, and I was but, just happy to, if I was getting a deal passed on to me, I passed a deal on to my friend who ended up purchasing my wife's Gia. And let me tell you, that Gia was, if you were in the market for a Gia, it would have been a Gia to get. Original, We bought off the original owner, never been hit, no, re, no replaced metal anywhere on the car, immaculate, beautiful car. Yeah. So, and the 55 I have uh, is a lot rougher as far as the body goes. Somebody did a poor metal repair in the rear, changed out a quarter panel with a newer one, like at just the bottom section where the bumper goes. So it has this big giant bumper bracket where it's supposed to be the nice thin oval window bumper bracket. So I'll have some areas to touch up on it, but all in all, it's a threefold rag rib door 55 and my wife loved it. She sat behind, I had both cars sitting there and I said, choose the one you want. Because the deal I made with the gentleman who bought the Gia was, if she doesn't want the 55, then you're just going to take the 55, and that's the end of the story. But Kim went in there. She looked at her Gia. Obviously, she'd been a million times, so she didn't, she didn't need to sit down in it. Mm-hmm. She sat down in the in the bug and saw the Batwing steering wheel, which is looks to be beautifully restored from Koch or something like that, and said, I like this one. I said, okay. So I called my customer, said, you're a proud owner of our new Gia. <laughs> and so. Nice. And it's got the Okrasa engine in it. And the funny story behind that is when I did your oval window, I had literally just finished the Okrasa kit on it. And my customer pulled up at that time. And he said, can I go with you? I have never felt one of those before. I said, absolutely. So he came with me on the first test drive of your oval window when I did the Okrasa kit on it. Loved it. Said, we have to do this to my car. And I said, not a problem. Because then I had done one. I knew it was involved. I told him what to order, how to do it, and whatnot. He got the parts there, and then we did the full build at the wagon in like 2010 on the car. So it, it's pretty funny that because I did your car, this gentleman just happened to be stopping by the, the shop that day, went on the test drive with me, and just yeah, like I, think, I have to have if, this. I think if you're driving a 36 horse, you don't have the Okrasic on there. You're insane. It's It makes it a different car. It's like putting a 1600 in there. You know, and I know that doesn't sound like much, but if you've ever driven a stock 36 or if, if you better you pack listen, a lunch, If man. you can listen to my voice, you can tell the bitter look on my face because I've been worse than a 36 horse is driving a 25 horse, and that's just pure misery. I mean, whew, There's a beauty to their simplicity, who though. It, who wants it? Yeah, that's great. They can be as simple as they want. I'd, like, I'd rather have them a lot faster. I like tinkering on them. They're like little sewing machines. Mm, They're no. awesome. No, I like big, loud, nice, nasty exhaust, big power, tons of torque. Yeah, you can't. Oh, oof, oof. Yeah, do a 36, do the Ocras upgrade kit. The the sad part is even those products, like even out of the box, they need work to make them run. The heads are like, eh. So with this build in particular, actually. Did you mod the heads and whatnot on this yeah. car? Yeah, so I got with Ronnie. So hold on a second. So the car you just got, the three-fold you just got, has an Ocrasic kit in it? Yeah. 
Oh, look at you. So I had sent Rolling. those. I I, I, I spoke just, to Ronnie after I finished yours. Ronnie over restoration. Now, I put it I put, took Kim's white walls off it and no, put it on bro. it. No white it walks. Great. Nope. So it, it had white walls nope. on it. Take it easy. <laughs> so when I did your kit, I had actually spoken to Ronnie over at Busterations, and I explained to him like, yeah, I just did Bill's kit, and he goes, oh, he's like those heads out of the box, they're kind of junky, and I was actually in agreement with him on that. So the one on the 55, I sent to Ronnie. We had, I believe it's Aussies in his town, fully go through the heads. They reshape the combustion chambers. Uh, they do a full valve job on them. And I could tell the difference between driving the two vehicles because the cam and crank, when we did that, I believe were not available. So it's still just like yours was, just a just basically a top end change. Mm-hmm. We just happened to rebuild the bottom end at the same time to make sure it was all fresh, but... We, we didn't put the crank. We didn't put a cam inside of it. Unfortunately, like I said, not available. But uh, just with the head work we had done, you could tell a difference between the two cars, yours and his. I, or I could. It might also be the fact that we had seven-inch wide wheels on your car, which mm-hmm. means for more you know, parasitic drag, takes, you know, the, the, the more, friction of, the, of yeah. the tire on the ground. And he had 560 white walls on it. But I'm going to say it, it was the additional work that, that uh, we did on the heads. And shout out to Ronnie on that. That guy... He really knows his 36 vintage speed stuff. He's awesome. No, for sure. I mean, uh, that's cool. You get a new ride. It's always exciting when you get a new ride. I get new rides every now and again, then I get I lose steam pretty quick. We got to get back on the 67, so we're planning to uh, – what's the next step on the 67 we're going to do? Just regular, so I have a beam for it. Just tear I it down. I have a set of drop spindles. They're drum drop spindles, but they're drop spindles. We My recommendation would be order disc brakes for it, but I got a set of drum spin drum brake cb drop spindles and a wagon uh four inch narrowed ball joint beam i'm going to put in it so that's the first step we're going to do um and then my recommendation is we should probably pull the gearbox out of it and get over to john rc trans have him go through it so the next video that you guys will see will probably be the rest of the teardown i think it needs window rubber too new window rubber so might as well for pull. sure we should probably pull the windows pull the transaxle you got a you got a peg leg thing to roll that thing around on a yeah uh, i have badalis i have a dolly for the back of that thing and then uh We'll get that thing done and start working on. I, I, you know, who knows if it? I think it's been resprayed, but I don't know if we can take that off with some easy it's off been and see if we can we're, get it back gonna, to the factory paint. Yeah, we're gonna try and see if we can take a couple layers of that off. Yeah. Um, hopefully we can, and you can tell it's been resprayed because the fender beating the same color as everything else. But you know, if we did do an easy off on there and it all came loose, that'd be great for us. And you know, this is something we were gonna throw out to you guys as well. You know, this car is gonna be given away. So how much work do people want done to it? How restored should it be? And I'm saying it shouldn't be a full resto. We should be giving someone a car that is, and it, first off, this is an excellent starter project for anybody who's out there looking for a, a Volkswagen. It is, this is the kind of car you want to find. Well, this, this is, is a, an unmolested, yeah, never been in teenagers' hands. The wiring looks brand new. You know, the engine compartment's intact. It's, it is an awesome specimen of a vehicle. So we're going to do certain things to it i'm donating a beam to it you know we're gonna we got loud luggage already sponsoring a, a luggage system for it see if we can get someone like west coast metric or Wolfsburg west on board to maybe throw some rubber our way you know this will not be a restored car this is going to be hey i'm a 16 year old kid in 1991 and i just got this car and this is what i would have done to it kind of deal you know Keep well it i think I, I think you know my my idea with the car is get this car to where it's it's one of those um it is a 
garage built restoration on a car that you would buy in the eighties that didn't need a t- that didn't need a frame off, suspension, tranny, motor, uh, freshen up, new interior, and clean up the paint, new window rubber. I mean, that's a solid. I mean, yeah. it's it's going to be a solid car when you get it back. Um, I think. Uh, I think anybody would be glad to have it. I don't want to give it to somebody that needs a bunch of work done. I'd like for them to get something something decent no, no. To, to mob around. And if you want to get it some, back and If you want a full paint it. job, if you want like a resto-resto, no, we're no, not no. getting no, all this that is, crazy with yeah, it. Yeah, I made it clear in the beginning. This is going to be like a this is going to be a garage build, like not yeah. a full chassis off. Nope. Someone's going to get lucky enough to get a super solid 67 bug, you know, and this is a – a really solid 60, 67 bucks. So the next video you guys will see, hopefully we'll get it out to you guys within the next two weeks. We'll get a video of more teardown, drop the tranny, uh, pull that stuff out, take a look at the sway bar setup, see if we're going to keep that and have that thing going. Because, you know, it wouldn't even be too bad to put a 1776 with dual CADs on there, or just, just a just a turnkey. Yeah, we just need a motor. Even 1914, you know. Um, it's one of my favorite motor combos, you know, big. 1904. Big no, 1914, just the big 94. I like it. I like it. I had my I look. I had my double cab for a long time. The thing ran great. So we'll see. We're gonna come up with uh, what we come up with for the giveaway car. So look out on our uh, YouTube page over the next couple of weeks for some new videos coming out, so you guys will get a little better feel for uh, what's going on with this car and what we're gonna do. And then uh, I think uh, I think that about wraps it up, George. Um, if you guys up. you guys want to follow George, George, what's your Instagram? Underscore the wagon. So he's at underscore the wagon, and then you can you're on Facebook too, right? Yeah, Facebook is the wagon and George Chabrinos. So but follow me on the wagon. Yeah. So oh, by the way, my I forgot, personal page is boring. I I forgot to mention we have some new T-shirts coming out. We're gonna yes. have um we're gonna have some uh, some, some new, new shirts coming out. My uh, a listener, Carl Bland, and. Uh, out of uh i think he's out of i think he's out of michigan um he sent me some new t-shirt designs we talked a few months back and he said man listen to the podcast i work for a t-shirt company and by the way here's some t-shirt designs i came up with while i was at work that's a great marketing ploy because he, he he sent them to me and then i had a bunch Roped of shirts made. right in huh? a real me a real me a real me right in and uh you know i ended up Looking at the shirts, he came up with some really, I mean, some really cool designs. His art department came up with some really cool shirts. So we're going to have some new Let's Talk Dub shirts coming out. Uh, we'll still have, we'll, we'll always have the traditional Let's Talk Dub shirts. But we've got a couple ringer tees coming out. We've got uh, a couple. Uh, old school throwbacks. Yeah, the old school throwbacks are super cool. And then uh, and then uh, more like a traditional VW uh, show shirt type thing with the big logo on the back and the center and the left front breast pocket but and then you'll you always have your traditional straight across the front what's your vw story so um i think that's about it man i'll post some pictures of that on instagram so you guys can get hyped up the new shirts coming out should have them in about two weeks and uh we'll see you guys the next at the next show we have coming up so we'll keep you guys updated uh up to you know whatever the next show is we'll be at hopefully they'll get something popping off here pretty quick so we can get out there and meet a bunch of you guys, say what's up, and uh, swap some VW stories. So uh, until next week, guys, George, I'm out of here. I'm out. Later. If you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to subscribe, follow us on Instagram, like us on Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Don't forget to share it with a friend. 
Also, to support the podcast, go to letstalkdubs.com and pick up some merch to help support your favorite VW podcast. If you have questions that you want to have read on the podcast, send them to bill at letstalkdubs.com and give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Until next week, guys. Later. A Volkswagen is a nice station wagon to have around the house.